today's episode, Dave interviews actor Stephen Colbert. Stephen has appeared on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart and hosts his own show on Comedy Central, The Colbert Rapport. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. But let's just jump, just jump right. right into it using that as, as kind of a, a sounding board. The idea of somebody coming in here and just giving, like Tom Purcell, giving of who it is that they are and yeah. looking at that and going, and, and, and that the creative process here, the idea that everybody is here to fill a niche and everybody has a voice and you understand their voice. And I've and, done a lot of their jobs. Right, and that always helps. Because yeah. when, because you know that what everybody else has been going through, mm-hmm. you understand. You know what I mean? for a, for a lot of it, or I've worked with a lot of in their processes. If I haven't done their job, mm-hmm. not on the production end. I actually am mystified by production in some ways. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to say, and I hope they they understand that I mean it in the best possible way. I don't know what you people do. Right. Like when I'll say to like my my essentially the equivalent of a line producer, but like uh, though they have different titles here. Uh, I would say, I don't know what you do, but thank you for making our stupid dreams come true. Right. Like, I don't understand. I'm in awe in a way that I can say, I think I'd like to do the show in Baghdad. Mm-hmm. And it has to broadcast from there. Right. And they go, well, that's no, uh, that, that can't be done, and we'll do it. Right. You know, it's never yeah. been done before. And so, but they did it. Right. They did it. And they did it like with laptop computers and, and chicken wire and spit. But they did it. And it's mystifying to me how they, how they just, how, how you do 160 shows a year. And I know we're not the only strip show on television. Mm-hmm. A, lot, a lot of shows do this. But it is startling to me. And there is some real pleasure and joy in seeing production happen well. Right. That is like the most beautiful playing field being being made for the for the sort of the athletes who get on there with their jokes. And people just want to do it. And they don't need that pat on the back necessarily. They don't need to be in the spotlight. They just need to sit I think everybody need I think everybody needs you know validation of what they're right. doing, but that's their joy. Their joy is to make it possible. And that's And that's it. That's that, fantastic. That's all they, they get out yeah. of it. I, mean, well, that's I, I suppose I don't know what they get out of it, but that they certainly Work hard, don't ask for much, and and I don't praise them enough. I'll promise you that. Mm-hmm. As as somebody that's in charge of this whole thing, for the most part, was it hard for you to delegate to let go of that to let go of that response some responsibility to go? You're in charge of that. You're in charge of that. You're in charge of that. Yes, yes. You know, I'm I'm a I'm not say if I'm a perfectionist, and I'm not going to say that I'm a control freak, which is probably one of the first signs that I am a control freak. <laughs> that I will not admit that I am a control freak. <laughs> but I, I am interested in every aspect of the show. Right. And the shows that I've you know produced before, it's you know, every everything like this pen as I'm holding in my hand right now. Like mm, I'm not sure should the pen be twisted slightly so the 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 nib lines up with the clasp right there. I think that's better. Can we get a close up, Jimmy? Can I see like you know? Right. Uh, and that's something. I just like the nib lines up with the clasp. Yeah. That in itself yeah. is a lovely sentence. So uh, uh, that 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 desire to have a complete vision for everything that happens on the show can get in people's way. Right. And you know, and what you end up doing is that you think you've got your foot on the accelerator for the show, right. but you really got your foot on their throat. Right, and right. And you're, you're keeping other people from achieving what they can contribute to the show in the ways that you think you are. You're stopping them from being as good as they can be, and, and that, is a, uh, that is a failing for me as a leader. I've gotten better at it. Right. But, you know, seven years in, like the more more tired you get, like the thing that the great aid, the great panacea 
for control freaks is being too tired. <laughs> I just can't. 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 Right. You can't. And then you have to learn to retreat into what you must do as opposed to what you, all the things you'd like to do. And it's also a way of you communicating with somebody, or somebody looks at you, of you communicating what it is that you want and still have them to be opened up to their creativity. Right. It's, it's you know, there's a challenge to say, to express vision for what you, you want to have happen, which is the job of a leader in any creative institution, especially an institution that has to be, if you pardon the redundancy, so institutionalized like this. Right. The process of doing this many shows at once requires a rigidity of process that must happen. For instance, at 1.30, I have to walk out of this room, right. no matter how much fun we're having talking. Right. But at the same time, you have to have a fluidity in terms of what is the best idea. Mm -hmm. The best idea must win. Right. Given the constraints of the day, you also have to be able to say, that's a wonderful idea. We will never do that idea. Right, and people have to hear that and accept that as well. Yes. To go, I hear you. Yeah, I, I get it. it. And surrender that, just let right. that go. Well, one of the nice things about doing this many shows is there's very little threshold for bullshit. There's mm -hmm. very little, by bullshit I mean your emotion being more important than the idea. Right. Because all of us have to serve the character, which is the idea of the show. I don't even, I'm not even really the master here. The master is the character, what he can and cannot do. Right. What he will and will not say. Right. Uh, and what serves him and his intention. And then there's the clock. Right. Because... It has to get done. It's not like it's six o'clock, you know. I, I had Jim Lehrer on the show mm -hmm. a couple of times, but I had, the first time I ever had him on, a couple of years into the show, and he goes, I just, I, he expressed, as somebody who's done nightly shows forever, he goes, he yeah. expressed admiration for my staff and everything they're able to do to get done. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, it gets done, it always gets done. That's sort of my mantra, it, it gets done, it always gets done, which is what I sort of chant to breathe through the difficulty of the day or the stress of the day. And he said, yes, it does, it does, you know. Uh, uh, I had, recently I had two young producers because we're PBS and we can't pay much and we get a lot of young producers churning through. Mm -hmm. And these two young producers said to me when I was asking about a, a piece that we're gonna roll on the show tonight, and they said, well, we're, we feel very confident. We think, we think it's gonna be ready. Mm -hmm. And he goes, okay, well, good. If it's not ready, I'll just look into the camera and say, ladies and gentlemen, we don't have any news for you right now, but hold on, we might have something soon. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a way of saying it must be done, right? And that the 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 taskmaster that it must be done lets you surrender your preciousness, right? About things, which is hubris in some ways. It's not going to be that much better if you spend another 30 minutes on it. Show the people. You have another one tomorrow. It's like what Della Sharna would say about improv mm -hmm. is that it's Kleenex. There's another one in the box That's tomorrow. That's the way I feel it too. And I think a lot of people, the idea of surrendering it and knowing, but there's also something that comes from you not living in lack, living the idea of abundance, that you get to do this thing, you get to do this thing, you get to do this thing. It feels like Second City in that way. Exactly. Like, the nice thing is that I, one of the great things that you have to look at the demand of the show as a gift. Tonight, I have an idea, and I, can, I have an idea today. Right. Or, or even a subject that interests me, even if I don't have the idea. Right. And we have a great team of people, and tonight we can talk about it. Right. That's a gift. If you look at it, the show, like a blade coming at you, mm -hmm. which it sometimes feels, sometimes I feel like I do the show head down. <laughs> That's how I describe it. Yeah. I'm doing the show head down because right. I'm afraid it's going to lop me off because mm -hmm. I'm not going to be able to. It's like Spartacus when they have, you know, the things that they whip <laughs> right, around right. in Spartacus yeah, 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 and they're yeah. training the gladiators and they have the, uh, the, the, the leather sheaths on the knives and they jump up and duck down and jump. 
bump up and duck down. But at a certain point, they pull the leather sheaves off, and it's blades and Spartacus. And if you don't make it, it chops your ankles, your head off. In the same way, I feel that way about the show, is that now we're in the big leagues, and the blades are bare. Mm -hmm. And if, if it's not good tonight, or if tonight I don't say what I mean, or if I don't express in a unique way, or at least a, a way unique to this show, then the blade's gonna chop my head off. Right. Well, you can't think that way. No, 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 because you you're just thinking have to the just, end. Uh, just do the show. You know, what's interesting, I was talking to Alex Bays yesterday. Um, do you know, know, Alex no, Bays is Rachel, Rachel Hamilton's uh, ex-husband. And Alex is the, uh, the producer and head writer for uh, Weekend Update. Okay, yeah, sure. And he was saying the same sort of thing, where it's like, he doesn't look at the end product, he's gotta look at the task at hand, and that's all. Oh yeah, we can, look only look at at, we can only look at some Somebody said, like, how do you do 160 shows a year? I'm like, right. well, you can't. Right. Or you how, can't do 160 shows a year with a character and often an, an narrative arc for right. the characters. This is, can't no. fucking be done. No. But we can do tonight's show, and we can do part of tomorrow's show. Right. And have some idea of what I'm interested about next week. And that's all. It's, but that's all theory. And so you just do the show bite at a time. It's really zen. I mean, it's, it's a very, it's not, uh, not zen, but it's kind of like Buddhist in a way where you go, I, we can only deal with this thing that we have right now. Right. Here's another thing that's, that, and it, this might be, uh, you know, this might be your sort of Buddhist uh, idea. Bullshit. Uh, oh, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I mean, right. It may not be bullshit. It might mm. be profound. Right. I don't know. It might Often be. bullshit is. Yeah. Um, at some point. Uh, which is a bullshit thing to say. Or a profound thing to say. <laughs> only time we'll, will tell. We'll find out. We'll find <laughs> out exactly. Tell. Is that not only do you have to uh, 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 consume the task coming at you like a fire hose, like you have to consume the information and try to process it on a daily basis into mm -hmm. a show, and then have some idea for tomorrow's show, and just be okay with that constant stream of demand coming at you. You also have to flush the experience of have, just having done the show. You cannot retain like oh, we had a really special first act last night. It was very difficult. <laughs> We ended our super pack. It was a very hard thing to express. It was actually technically hard to achieve. We had, you know, uh, I, I was worried about expressing this thing we did on the show last night. I think it went off exactly the way I wanted, and I have to completely forget that we did it. Because right. tonight is tonight, and tomorrow is done. I mean, when yes, do, yesterday when, is done. But when do you, do you sit back and go, I, I really enjoy what the fuck I do. I really sure. enjoy it so but much. But I enjoy it mostly when I'm doing it. Right. I, I can't enjoy it in an abstract. Mm -hmm. I can't say, you know, uh, I had, uh, uh, Nora Ephron, mm -hmm. who I did not know very well, but she mm -hmm. was very nice to me. Mm -hmm. She called me, you know, about maybe a year into the show. Mm -hmm. And she said, kid, are you enjoying yourself? <sighs> are you enjoying yourself? Because this doesn't happen very often. What's happening to you right now? And I said, well, I'm just so busy. Right. I said, but I like what I do. She goes, well, basically she said, that's as good as you can get. <laughs> Like, it's really like true. you're enjoying what you're doing while you're doing it. Right. But she goes, but don't forget to enjoy it, right? You enjoy, like, and, but in the same way, the best enjoyment is the action of doing it. I had uh, Alan Bean, who was in Apollo 12, mm -hmm. second right. right there. Right. Fantastic guy. Had him on the show. Uh, he's an artist. He's a painter now. And after the show was over, I just said, I got Alan Bean here. I'm just going to ask him a few questions. It was me and Danello, actually. It was mm -hmm. one of the first weeks that Danello works on the show now. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. So, Is he here now? Yeah. Is he in the building now? He's upstairs. Okay. And um, uh, we were backstage talking to him. And I said, well, what is it like? Just I, I'm going to ask you the most basic question. What's it like to go to the moon? And he goes, well, you know, I can't really tell you. 
And he goes, because, you know, we had our tasks at hand and you get on the rocket and it takes off and you go to the moon. You first, you have your first burn and the first burn's over about 10 minutes. That, that's the length of your experience, about 10 minutes and your first burn's over and mm -hmm. then you just have to absolutely emotionally flush all of that right. and do the mm -hmm. next task at hand. Right. You know, and the next task at hand is, well, separation, you know, and then, right. and then you're going to go into your first orbit and then you're going to, you're going to turn, you're going to recapture the module <sighs> and then you have to take your second burn, you have to go to the moon and each of those little, little increments, you have about 10 minutes of experience and you have to emotionally flush everything. So I can't tell you what it was like to go to the moon. I just have no idea. Right, right, and he goes, right, but right, I can right, tell you about right. these little 10 minute increments right. of going to the moon. Right. And which is of course is my way of comparing myself to an astronaut. If you'll, <laughs> if you can read through all that. No, all but I get that too. I am an astronaut. Right. I no, I, I get that. I got that. I was really surprised okay. you don't have your space suit over here. You got, you got that. Well, I've got, I've got, I've got my wrist strong bracelet up there, which was in orbit. <laughs> I've got those patches. That's Buzz Aldrin gave me that moon up there. That's one of the last nuts from the space shuttle that actually bolts it down, the explosive bolts. Sweet! Yeah, I have I've huge, I've got to meet a lot of astronauts uh -huh. doing this and I'm super ah. excited. But anyway, so you can only have the experience of doing the show and enjoying right. doing the show. And if you can't experience those 10 minute increments, you know, if you can't, you know, I saw my happiest times of doing the show is when I, <laughs> we I forgot what we did. It was just a few years ago, maybe about two years ago. I came up from, we did something. We did something that was, uh, Difficult in terms of production and difficult idea for my character to do and not seem like a jerk or whatever it was. Right. You know, we, we, we landed in the move, you know, in the show. Mm -hmm. And I came up and I walked by my assistant, Amy, and I said, oh, that was so hard. <laughs> I just loved how hard that was. <laughs> and then I turned to her and I said, I think I have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I loved how hard it was right, to I do. Know, right, you know what right, I mean? Right, and, right, and so, right, if right. you love that difficulty, if you love, you know, if you love, even if you love the failure of it, then you're fine. And this right. gets to my story about you. Okay. Is that, you know, people say, when did you know you wanted to do this for a living? And mm -hmm. you, I think you'll remember this moment is uh, you and I were at the ETC, a second of the ETC, and we were uh, transitioning from one show to the other, so it was a lot of kind of like chaffy material, wasn't sure what was working, and we were plugging in between this, these scenes that we weren't sure weren't working yet as, right. we, as we were improvising our way through them or crafting them. We were throwing in old blackouts just to keep the pace up. Right. And Jenna Jolovitz right. went out there to do whales. Oh, okay. Yeah. And and right. the you know the setup of whales is that it's, you're basically you're a folk singer and you're at a uh, you're at a, a little club right. and you say I like to do a song for the whales. <laughs> and then you tune well, you up a guitar, for a long time, right, you tune for a long time, right. and then you do your song for the whales, which is <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's not a great joke, but no, it never it fails. Never fails. Never fails. Like Audience bagpipe. loves it. It's all about building up expectation. Forty five seconds and then a brief right. punch. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> You and I were about to go on to do I don't know what next. Mm -hmm. We were in the next scene, and mm -hmm. we're backstage, we're stage right in the wings. And she goes out there and she goes, I'd like to do a song for you now. And she does the whole setup, like and then she does the punchline, psh, all that, and silence. And you and I are just looking at each other, and we're like, what? This always kills. I don't understand what's wrong. And then she says, oh, I forgot to tell you, it's a song for whales. <laughs> <laughs> and you and I, Literally, we looked at each other, threw our arms out, and hugged each other in the joy of her <laughs> agonizing failure. But it wasn't schadenfreude. It was just like, oh, like, no. oh, 
oh, we know what she's going through and it's agonizing and how hilarious, what a perfect fuck up to make and ha and her try to save it and this, and now what, she, what can she do and the, they're not taking the lights out on her and she's just burning in silence out on stage and you and I hugged each other and we fell like a, like a, like a, like a deflating teepee with the top still holding on to each other and our legs went out onto stage kind of kicking and we're howling with laughter and then she starts laughing at, 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 she knows what's happening backstage and as in that moment where you and I rolling on the floor in tears that I thought, I will do this. I must do this for a living. Right. Because if there can be this much joy at a moment of this much agony and failure, oh. well, that's there's something very healthy about that. Mm -hmm. And I can clearly and without a, without hesitancy say, oh, that's when I decided I would be a comedian. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Glad to be part of that. I do remember that. I do remember that. And there's only been a couple of those. those there was another time where somebody didn't do that, but the same sort of thing where they, um, you know, uh, kids, the, uh, I hate those people. Oh, yeah. That blackout. <laughs> so the blackout is, bye-bye, um, uh, bye-bye. It's, it's a couple on stage, bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye. And, uh, and they close the door. I hate those people. They come when they're not invited. They, they eat all of our food. She has you spinach know, in her teeth. teeth. We didn't even serve she, spinach. She had breath. You could knock a buzzer off a shit, shit wagon. wagon. Right, yeah. right. I never want to see those people in our house again. And the blow is, but honey, they're our children. Yeah. Right? So, uh, uh, Kathleen Campbell. Not Kathleen a great Clark. joke. Not a great joke. Yes. Old school. Old school, yeah. Um, but it delivers. It delivers, and it's and it's good for like a bunch of Jews who are wanting to laugh. So uh, so it's uh, you know Jews against comedy, the Jews against comedy tour, right? All right. Uh, uh, you got the best story of that, but okay. anyway, yeah. you do. It's your story. So uh, so so Kathleen, so Kenny, I think it's Kenny and Kathleen. We're gonna do it on the same time. And Kenny didn't make it on stage, and he's and she's going bye 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 bye, and Kathleen improvises this line bye bye, honey, our kids are leaving. And that's the blow. And she says it right away. And he walks in going, okay. And then they just kind of hover in air. And we're all hovering. And the audience is like waiting. Like, what's supposed to happen? What's supposed to happen here? And then I think Jackie Tucker was on lights and just this slow fade. Uh. And the audience is sitting there going, oh, it just happened. You see, I love that scene. What you just described, I wish I'd written. That's like good dough. That's fantastic. Bye bye. Our kids are leaving. Death. It's beautiful. It's meaningful. Good night, everybody. Right. That's really meaningful. Exactly. That's good. But all those things that were happening, like all that stuff that you realized. Then we got an opportunity to. To fail like that, do you right, know what I exactly. mean? There were no stakes. We right. thought there were, but there were no real stakes. No, and no. I do recall. I recall. I recall us in the middle of it going, "What are we? How are we going to end this scene?" Because I remember us working on the Doug scene and going, "How are we oh, going to yeah, end this scene?" Sure, sure, sure. And what are we going to do with that? And how are we going to end the scene? And it was just this circle that it was how just did like we end that scene. Um, we ended it at the. And I remember sitting oh, backstage. Oh, you take. No, 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 no. You said no. I don't. You, you. We just we. We got to the end of the scene and we just recreated the beginning of the scene. You know, so it was the end, so it was cyclical. So it, the end of the scene is like... Uh, um, it's an analyst talking to his patient or a patient finishing with their therapist. And the therapist says, well, I'm aware of the time. Right. And the person's sort of droning on, as right. you will, in your therapy as session. As I will, right. And, 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 I, and I was a therapist and I, and I said to you, as my therapist used to say to me, 
well, I'm aware of the time. Right. Which I is a very passive-aggressive <laughs> thing. It's like, <laughs> I'm aware of the fucking time, too. <laughs> you were all aware of the time. Just say we're out of time. Exactly. Okay, that's going to be it. Right. Yeah. I'm aware of the time. And, and then you I, said, I always want my money. I right. My money and you had you. a wheelie chair, and yeah. I, had a, I had a real check in my hand, and you walked around the... the, the right. Well, and the reason why it starts is that I said, well, Doug, we've made some real progress. Right, right. I want, and I said, I want you to help me out. And you said, I want you to go out there and be the best Doug that you can be. And I said, I have a problem with that. My name's Dave. <laughs> and it was like, and then it comes out... The scene goes on. Well, it goes on. And then at the end, you'd say something like, I want you to go out there and be the best duck that you can be. And I go, Dave. It's like, did I know this? And it was just that slow oh, yes. fade on oh, that. I see, see. Yeah, sure, so sure. it's the idea of us struggling with that uh, with that ending and going, what did we do at the beginning? Mm-hmm. And the realization that it really, ultimately, it doesn't matter. And the scenes that you're doing here, are you? Are, so it's got to be a good joke, doesn't it? No, uh, I mean, we'd hope so, but again, it's 7 o'clock and the audience is loaded. And we're riding up until the last second for right. the show. You know, we, 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 I can either do a joke that means nothing, mm-hmm. which is fine. I do it all the time. Right. Or I can do a joke that means something and I better know what it means. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because the jokes that mean something or the things that actually have a satirical, satirical like, in- intention on the show, those build an aggregate of what the show is sort of uniquely about. Mm-hmm. Jokes about, you know, your basic poop joke, which I'm not above, right. needn't be about anything. If it can be about something, that's really nice, but it needn't be. <laughs> right. And, you know, I will send my children to college on poop jokes, mostly. <laughs> and... But um, if it's about something, then I have to be careful what it's about. Right. And so it's not so much that it has, I f- close with the best joke. Though uh-huh. I'd, like to, I'd like to close with a recapitulation of the intention of the scene. Certainly. Because my show's a scene. My show's, you know, I always say to, the, I say to every audience before the show begins, I say, um, have a good show. Yeah. To the audience. And, and if I have, and if I'm stalling, uh, or if I have to explain something to them, I'll explain this also. I say, now this show's, you know, um, either has two characters. I'm one and you're the other. Right. Because I've, all, I've tried to never forget the, I, the thing that sort of I learned, and I think you probably learned it too, was that scene work is not a series of jokes. Scene work is there's a dramatic structure in that I want something, or one character wants something from another person. They achieve it or they do not achieve it, right. but somebody changes over the course of the It's the that want scene. that you have in the scene, the intention, exactly. what you want, what you I have a want right. in my show. Right. And what I have to be faithful to my characters want. I want you to be on my side. Mm-hmm. I want you to love me, right. which is very important. I always forget, like, what does your character want? He wants the audience to love him. Right. Love me. Right. Love my, agree with me, agree with my fears, agree with my loyalties, all those things. And, I, and, and the show is essentially, in that case, a philosophical exercise where I am trying to constantly convince the audience to my point, my worldview. Right. That's it. Right. And they, they come along with me in the strangest ways. Right. But so... That's what's important to me. What, what's, what's important to me is that I keep that consistent intention with the audience and that if I do establish some sort of satirical intention at the top of a scene, like say well, when I do this thing called The Word, which is an essay, right. I have to always return to the beginning and go, well, what did I identify as the problem? Because the word always has a problem, a solution, an extension. Mm-hmm which is I learned from both rhetoric classes and being on a debate team. Mm-hmm. Problem, solution, and then it's extension, which is a satirical aspect of it usually. Right. And then I have to go, well, how do I end it? And I go, well, if I can't end it, if I cannot end it, there's something wrong with my problem. I didn't become, I wasn't clear about what my problem was, and it is always so. I always can go, what was my problem I described? What was my thing I was trying to fix or celebrate? 
And if I wasn't clear about that, then I can never end it, and it always feels unsatisfying. But if I can identify that clearly, I can usually end it in a way that surprises the audience. It goes back to the scene, the Doug scene, where it's like, what was our original intention? The idea that you're in it for the money, and like you're in it for the money, and and that you are you are, you have no patience for your patients. Yes. Right. And so the ending of that was, and you also just need someone to talk to. Exactly. And it doesn't matter who it is. Right. And so the fact that it just starts over again and you are talking to me says like, well, it doesn't, not really matter. What it matters is that I was there and you were talking to me and that's the whole exactly, thing. Exactly, exactly. And, and, and that's it. And it's a package and it's a perfect little package. Mm -hmm. And because it's a perfect package, I'm also going to say I believe that that scene is still being done. Oh, really? Yeah. That's nice. I really enjoyed it. And that CIA scene is still being done as well. Oh, that was fun. A really, really that fun, fun scene. That's your game. That whole scene. Yeah. And yet, and, and not yet. And, and also the idea of getting... Uh, knowing that we can fail, putting that thing together, and learning how to craft that joke, and learning how to be present with your intention. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Learning how to, learning how to, lear, le learning about scene structure from having to do scenes over and over and over and over again was a great gift of touring company because mm -hmm. you would do the same scene two hundred times in two hundred different venues. And you go, okay, what is essential to this? Mm -hmm. What is chaff? What can the audience not hear in this scene? And it doesn't matter. The scene still succeeds. Right. And you go, oh, I, ha I have to say that thing. And it might be basic things, like <laughs> like you can't say kids before the punchline. Exactly. No, Basically, like, nice. But the thing is, it's stuff that if you're not a professional, you may not remember. <laughs> no, you may no, not no, know, no. But know? it's going through all those experiences. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's going through the experiences. And, and you, get, you must have that with your staff. When, 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 a young, when a young writer comes in, yeah. what is it that they have to learn? What is it that, what do you tell them when they're coming in about working with you? Do you tell them anything? No, not really. Do you, you hire them. You sit down with them yeah. yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a, there's a gleaning process. I mean, there's, you know, this, we just hired a couple of writers and about 100 people submitted. Mm -hmm. And those get chewed through first by uh, my head writer and producers. Mm -hmm. And those get boiled down to five people who finally get to me. Mm -hmm. And then, and uh, sometimes I'll say, well, that's, I need to see something else. Or like, I would particularly like to, some women or like to talk to someone who's not white and 35. Right. You know, whatever. Right. Um, <coughs> um, and, uh, and, and then, and, and then, and then we, we read them all out loud together. And then if anyone can make us laugh out loud, just make us laugh out loud. We're like, okay, well that person automatically goes to the top of the pile. Right. I don't regard, I don't care what they, what they said that made us laugh out loud. It right. actually surprised us. Mm -hmm. That's a great thing. Mm -hmm. And then, then we hire the writers and we mostly just ask them questions like, who do you, you know, like, what are your influences? That's important to me. Like, mm -hmm. who are the people who make you laugh is very important to me. Right. Um, but then when they get here, they're just thrown right into that. I mean, day one, they're just in the mix and going, what do you have? Right. We, we got a show tonight. Um, and I, it takes some writers longer than, it takes some writers a year to really be productive. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've been doing this, this is, I'm wearing, we're seven and meow meow years, seven years and one month in now. Mm -hmm. And there are some writers who are powerful, like, you know, people, uh, um, as, as all the, everybody here, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't think there's a weak link um, in the bunch, you know, I, I know that. I would trust any script with any writer at any time mm -hmm. on this show. But some people take longer to find that moment. Right. Fi find, their voice. Their voice. And it's always kind of trusting the person who got hired, I think. It's trusting the person that got hired. What, is he, what do you mean by that? I think I know what you mean by that. What do you well, mean what that? I mean is that we hired you because of the thing you wrote before we demanded it. Got it. What, right. made, what made us laugh right. in your packet. Right. And sometimes it takes someone a little while to become the person that they submitted. 
But you also yeah. allow that person to time. unfold in, to time, the time. time, the time that you need. You got to give person uh, a time. I don't. I don't imagine anybody can just jump in and swim right away. Right. Some people can. Some people can't. But it doesn't mean you lose faith in what they're going to do. But it's also them having the faith in themselves. Well, to that's know. it. You know, reminding a young writer that what you have to say, what the joke you think is funny, is the funniest thing you can give me. Right. Now I can give you notes on that joke, or I can try to make that joke better, or I can say that's not what I want to say. Right. But the funniest thing you can give me is what you think is funny. Don't try to write to what you think I'll think is funny. That is Cause exactly. Because it's yeah. like improv. You can't read my mind. Right. You can't necessarily read my mind. Mind readers are producers. <laughs> right, 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 right. I feel, I, when I teach, I'm, I'm a bit of a mind reader too, because I'm, I'm up there. It's what we we're saying. The idea of I am not, I am not just watching them perform. I am up there because I've made the mistakes that you've made. Why well, you I have an empathetic relationship with what they're doing? Yeah. Clearly, and, and that's what's that. great about. That's why, like, I think a head writer or a producer in television, especially when you're ch or any writing process, when you're churning this much information, you have to be a little bit of you have to you have to be an empath because you have to think. Oh, I think this is what you meant. Let me see if I can help you. It's all about service. Right. I think this is what you meant. Right. This is how I think I can help you help me. Right. That that's very important. So you're in service. Well, you're in service also because you're still. Are you still teaching? Uh, are you still teaching uh, Sunday school? You were doing not that, any, not anymore. I did it for three years, but mm -hmm. I'm not doing it now. Mm -hmm. That's really great to be in service in that way. Well, it was great because you know I you know I'm not a particularly religious person, but mm -hmm. I I I you know I occasionally go to mass and mm -hmm. I grew up with a religious tradition and, and it's it's important to me in ways that I can't remember right now. Okay. You know, like I just can't remember why. In yeah. a way, you know, like when it is important to you, when when your faith is present for you, at least for me, when my faith is present for me, it's lovely. When it's not present for me, and by present I just mean it doesn't, there's not a candle lit in me right now. Right. It's usually because I'm too tired, I haven't paid attention to it or something, and that's kind of how I am right now. Uh -huh. like, um, I'm, I'm in no, by no means a lapsed member of my faith, but I'm I am an I am a bit of an uh, automatic member of my faith right now. But anyway, mm -hmm. when you get to teach seven-year-olds about your faith, you have to return to like, okay, well, this is what I like about it in a way, because you're trying to share with a kid doesn't give a damn about dogma. Right. He likes the story. Right. You tell them the story right. and you answer questions in the simplest way you can. Mm -hmm. And you remind yourself like, oh, this is what is, this is what's beautiful to me about it. And, you know, uh, you know, for my faith, Christ says, be as one of these children. Mm -hmm. And I understand that completely. After you teach seven-year-olds, you go, oh, all the deep questions that we're going to ask later, they're asking me now. I mean, every group of seven-year-olds that I taught, all the three years, and there were three years over six years, I did every other year. Mm -hmm. um, they all asked me, like, well, what happens before time? <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, right, you know, right, right, right. why isn't God in out of time? Like, and I'm, I'm like doing Venn diagrams on the chalkboard <laughs> where eternity intersects time and the now and the brightness right, of the expression. Like, right. And they're all like, uh-huh, uh-huh. They're uh -huh. all like mystified. Like, uh, right. They're completely gripped by the idea. Right. And we think we're so great, you know, burning down as, as sophomores going, what if time was not <laughs> shut up? 
shut up. But there's something within you, there's that spark that where you go, oh man, I just love the idea of the unknown and embracing the unknown and then celebrating all of that as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that's great about improv. Is, is, right. That's a great lesson. I would say that's, you know, that's, that's something that no matter what you do, you know, as much as it gets turned into a business plan by people who teach improv, right. it's true. That's exactly It'll help happens. everybody. Right. It'll help everybody. And that, improv helps you all. It's so interesting because it is about the business plan right now. It seems like there are so many different schools well, that are trying depends to Depends on the person. Started. Depends on the person. But a lot of people you know, have like their outreach, their corporate outreach plans for improv. And I can imagine that a lot of that is just like, that's just churn to get, you know, keep the business alive. But right. I, I wouldn't want that to be the only reason it happens. I, there's, I, think, I think corporate outreach or improv is a great thing. I think it should, people should do it. Yep, I'm yeah. doing it. Yeah. I do it. That's I'm great. doing it. Um, I'm doing it for the Invisalign people so mm -hmm. that they can just keep really? the braces coming. Can you? Because this tooth right there. I'll talk to I'll see what I can do. I'll talk It's to really, I'm not joking here. If they're listening, this tooth uh -huh. is, is retreating. Yeah, I know. Oddly I got, enough. I got retreaters too. Unbelievable. Well, did you have braces? I did, yeah. Yeah, me too. I had for three years. I, I, had, I had the I had braces headgear. in college. I had headgear that I had to wear during the day. And horn Did it glasses. hurt when people would punch the headgear? It was just—it was horrible. It would hurt and their well, fists. I well, I would—I would take off—I would take off my headgear. I would leave my house, take off my headgear, take off my horn rim glasses, go to school, and then right before I'd come back home, I'd put them back on and put them on. So my mom thought I was wearing them. And yeah. one day I would—it was—it was, it was uh, school pictures, and I was like, oh, I got to show my mom that I was still wearing them. So uh, oh. I put them on, put the headgear on. For and school I, pictures? Yes, sir. And your mother said. Picture. My mother said, what? Why did you, why did you <laughs> take them off? Exactly. What the hell is wrong with you? What's wrong with you? I'm like, God, that didn't work. God, my plan. God, how do they know? <laughs> and I, but I have this beautiful picture. Of I have you this beautiful headgear? picture of me in headgear. That's, that's it's really gorgeous. wonderful. It's my, son, my, my, my son's going to have to get braces next. Mm -hmm. God bless him. Mm -hmm. Well, my brother and I both had big noses and buck teeth. We were just really popular. You love it. Um, I think that we should probably boogie on because I want I want you to get to yeah. to, to do well, that. Well, close it out. You want to? This is how we close it out. You, you close that? it up by stopping. You <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Really? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What else? It's not going to be like. Well, let's we go back to the beginning and see what were we talking about when we first started. Uh, what were we talking about? I, don't I can't know. remember. I don't remember. We didn't write it down. <laughs> Too bad we didn't record it. Yeah, yeah. It's good stuff though. <laughs> good remember stuff. those things we said about those people we know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the things that we didn't say about that would be the people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else? I, I don't. I don't know that there's anything else. Um, no, I'm just really excited to, to nice see you. I haven't seen you nice in so long. Guys. Thanks so much. It was really great. Okay, let's end it. All Thank right. you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Today's episode was sponsored by Modern Drunkard Magazine. For more information, go to www.moderndrunkardmagazine.com. Standing up for your right to get falling down drunk since 1996. Thank you for listening to the ADD Comedy Podcast. For Dave Rosowski, I am Ian Foley, and this is Mama Mel. If it's not broke, don't fix it. If it is broke, jiggle it just a little bit. Yeah, that's better. Prepare for enlightenment so bright it will sunburn your soul with Mama Mel. I saw a post on Facebook not too long ago made by an old boss of mine. It was a pic of him in a hospital bed looking like he was at death's door. He was asking for prayers and saying his goodbyes. A week later, I see him posting pics of himself at a fancy party, thanking everyone for coming out and looking better than ever. So I left the following comment on his wall. Dear ex-boss, 
I send you my prayers and you can't send me an invite to your killer party. Just like when I was working for you, you always overlook me, you rotten SOB. Don't you know only the good die young? Guess that means you're going to live forever. LOL, JK, smiley face, smiley face. Well, turns out the thank yous were posted by his twin brother, who was also the one in the looking better than ever pics. That fancy party was my ex-boss's funeral. Not my fault. Dead people shouldn't be allowed to post on Facebook. It's deceitful. Nobody's wall should be the weekend at Bernie's of social networking.